It is good to see you again, and for the first time, some of you, ready to get into the Word. It is the start of November, and uh, it means we're heading towards Thanksgiving. In Australia, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, we just go straight into Christmas. So the, this weekend in Adelaide, where I'm from, we have this big pageant that goes through the streets of the city. It's a big Christmas pageant. And from this weekend, everyone puts out their Christmas trees. I don't know if anyone's put out their Christmas tree yet. Is there anyone? Couple, couple of us, getting most of us getting ready for Thanksgiving. Christmas tree goes out this weekend and the Christmas shopping begins. Who loves Christmas shopping? Who hates the Christmas shopping? There was a lot more guys than girls, but anyway, though we see there's a mixture still. A few years ago, uh, around this weekend, Shan's my wife and I, she was at BU. Any of you get to meet Shana? Isn't she a cute little thing? And um, she, uh, this weekend, a few years ago, we went shopping and, and we said, in one weekend, we're going to nail all of our Christmas shopping. And we did. It was a minor Christmas miracle. And we did all of our Christmas shopping. It was all done. And we got home. And I was carrying in the shopping as the gentleman I am. And I got home and exhausted. We put, no, I, I passed the shopping to Shana because she had a place to put it. But she was just exhausted from the day. So she got in and she just put the shopping on the back of the front door. And, uh, and later that day, um, she, it's my job to take the bins out. And uh, so the bins get collected on a, on a Tuesday. This is a Monday. And uh, so uh, I went and took the bins out. And, and normally when Shans wants the rubbish to be taken out, she doesn't take it to the bin. She just puts it on the back of the front door. And, 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 and so I took the rubbish that was on the front door and, and I went outside and I placed it in the bin and... and, and the rubbish collectors came, the garbage collectors came the next day and they did what they did. And then that Tuesday night, Sean said, oh, I'm going to wrap all the presents from yesterday. Have you seen the presents? And I said, I don't know. What did you do with them, Shana? And uh, she said, I put them on the back of the front door. She said, have you seen them? I said, they've gone to Christmas heaven. <laughs> she said, what's that? And I said, well... I took the rubbish on the back of the front door, which is what we do every week, and they may have been the Christmas presents there, and I threw them in the bin. Now, I want to ask you a question today, because Shana's not here. Whose fault was that? <laughs> and because she's not here, I want to be clear, it was her fault. But if any of you tell her, I will deny I said it. But I'll tell you, that next Saturday, guess who had to do all of the shopping for all of the presents? This guy. Guess who didn't even come? That girl. She said, no way, it's on you. Sometimes when it comes to our promises, it's like we're, it's all coming together. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a picture, when God gives you a vision for your life, it's, like, it's starting to all come together and then all of a sudden life gets difficult, things change and it's like what once looked like it had potential comes to a crashing halt. I want to talk to you today in the, in the afterglow of BU and, and a word that God put in my spirit, a continuing talk about dreams and visions and promises that God has for your life. Because so often we get a dream, we get a vision, we believe in for a promise, a healing, a miracle, a provision, a, 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 a child to come to God, that business to start, that relationship we're believing for, whatever it is that God's put in your spirit, and we start to wonder why do our dreams not come true? Now often there's three reasons why most people don't realise their dreams. Sometimes those dreams aren't from God. Growing up, I... Uh, 
I had a dream to be a professional NBA player. And then in year seven, I stopped growing. I was literally this tall in year seven. I thought I was on my way and I haven't grown a millimeter since. Uh, an inch, nothing, nothing. I've stayed this high. So that dream wasn't from God. Uh, sometimes people are living in their dreams, but they don't remember or realize they're actually in the dream that God gave them. Sometimes that's what our marriage has become like. God gave us our dream partner. And then as we stay married to that person and do life with that person, we start to dream about it should have been better or it used to be better, but we're actually in the middle of the dream. We just have to continue to work at it. The third group uh, of people uh, is often that we don't realize our dreams, our promises, our potential because they're actually really hard to get to. And so many miss our dreams because we start to say things to ourselves like this, this couldn't be the will of God because if it was God's will, He would have made it easier and safer than this. We look at the difficulty and struggle that we go through and we look at opposition and we convince ourselves the opposition therefore must be the enemy and maybe it wasn't a God dream, maybe it was my dream, maybe it was someone else's dream because surely if it was God, He would have made it easier than this. Like a job that you had that you thought was maybe just the next step in the dream to getting your dream job, but at the end of the day, it just pays the bills so you've settled and thought it's too hard and you've given up on your dream. Or maybe a marriage that was filled with fun and excitement and, and love. And it's not that the marriage has gotten bad, but you've gotten familiar and if you've honest, it's gotten boring. Or, or maybe it's a, you dreamt about something and, and God put a business in your heart or something in your spirit that you knew that there was this dream He had for your life, but the thought of what if, what if it doesn't work? shouts at you so much louder than what if it does? Maybe you knew the call of God, but someone else was chosen or a, a, a leadership or changed or, or you moved cities and, and maybe there was hurt or there was disappointment and it robbed your confidence and you're still faithful, but no longer fruitful. Maybe, maybe you're here and you wanted to make a difference and you had an entrepreneurial spirit and there was something unique God put in your life, a gift, a shape that you know was special to you to do something that no one else had done before. But not knowing where to begin meant that you never did. Maybe there was energy and life and dreams and destinations on your heart and, and, and you, you were thinking, I'm gonna climb Everest Base Camp or I'm gonna backpack around South America or I'm gonna drive around the United States, but you had young kids and now you're just utterly exhausted. Am I talking to anyone today? See, what, what we often want is we want all of the dreams, visions and promises and we want all of the options and we want all of the money and we want all of the people, we want all of the opportunities, we want all of the answers and we want it all of my way right now. And if that doesn't seem to pan out how I think it should pan out, therefore I give up my dream or I'm staying stuck here, I'm not stepping forward any longer because it just seems too hard. And that thinking doesn't make any room for the supernatural. See, God doesn't make your dreams easy doesn't always make the visions and promises just come to pass in the way you think it should because more than the dream, we have to chase after the dream giver. More than just the natural solution, He wants to see the supernatural flow in your life so at the end of it, while you have your dream, even more you have Him. See, not only though do we, so, how, so what happens is we end up getting stuck 
Okay, and what God does is He knows we're going to get stuck. We see all the way through Scripture, we see God's people get stuck, God leaders get stuck, but He gives you dreams and visions in order to move you from being stuck to taking a step forward in faith. The steps, not the stops of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. And though you get stuck and though you stumble, you will not fall because He holds you up with His right hand. He delights in the steps of a righteous man. There's something about stepping into your mirror but the way you step is by following the dreams and the visions that God gives into your life. So not only do we have the Word of God to guide us, but we have the Holy Spirit who illuminates our imagination with dreams, visions, and possibilities that are not in your hand, but they're within your reach. So if you've got a dream, a vision, and a promise over your life, it's not God teasing you, it's God inviting you to get into His presence and step into destiny because He's simply not finished with you yet. Amen? In Psalm 126, it tells a story of the Israelites who ended up in captivity or, or in waiting. And there was promise, there was potential, there was visions, there were dreams over their life. And they got stuck. But all of a sudden, when they went from being stuck and were freed, it describes them this, this way. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, read this with me, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were filled with joy. The very sign of someone who has remained where they once were and suddenly found life again. The very evidence of a relationship that had gotten stagnant and familiar and boring and all of a sudden now steps into joy and love and grace. The, the very evidence of someone who even though maybe through sickness and difficulty can get a possibility and a vision that he is the Jehovah Rapha, he is my healer and he can make a way. When suddenly you're going to the same job every single day, but you begin to believe in your spirit that God's got even more for you, even while you're working there, you can be where you are and not in your promise yet, yet you can be like those who once dreamed. And the evidence of someone who not isn't yet in the fulfillment of their promise, yet has a dream and a vision in their heart, is that they are filled with joy and laughter and can declare that they are blessed. See, every person gets stuck, but God gives you a dream and a vision and a promise to get you moving. Can I tell you about my family for a moment? Another time, I'll tell you about my mum's side of the family. My mum is from Santiago in Chile, and uh, she moved to Australia when she was a, a young girl, and um, uh, my dream is to go there one day and see her home. And, um, but I'll tell you the story one day about how my mum, one her mum, who was still in Santiago, Chile, had not seen her for like 40 years and led her to Jesus just before she passed. It's an amazing story. But today I'm going to go to my dad's side of the story. And my dad's side of the story is that they came, come from a place called Rochdale in England. Is there anyone from England here by any chance? One of us and just one of us. Hello, Pastor Jack. So they, they weren't brave people. They weren't 
dreamers. They, they, they grew up in, in pre-World War II, in the Depression, for, and for generations, it existed hand to mouth. Uh, uh, they were coal miners and every single day they woke up and they went to the mines and they came back to their home. They, of course, where they lived, no one had owned a phone, no one owned their own car. They lived in terrace housing and each day woke up with the little they had and they went to the mill and they came back home. They went to the mill and they came back home. And this is what it was like for generations of Greenwoods before my grandma. Now, my, 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 our, our, in a wet winter's uh, lunch uh, in, in Rochdale, England in 1969, she looks out the window and it's grey and it's miserable and they're living hand to mouth and there's no life. And she gets this idea and says to my, fam- my dad's family, why don't we move to Australia? And they all laughed at her because they'd been stuck in their ways for so long. And they said, there's no way we're moving to Australia. And they went on with their day. Well, the next day, she never went to the mill like she would every single day. She instead skipped work, got on three buses, went to a place called Manchester and went to a place in Manchester called Australia House. She went there, talked to someone. Now this was rebellious for an English woman right there in the 60s that had been living generationally one way for so long. And she goes and talks to someone and gets some brochures of some homes in a place called Elizabeth in South Australia, which weren't fancy. They were just better than the terrace houses they lived in right there in Rochdale. And she brought them home home and she put them on the dining table, took three buses to come back home, put them on the table. And when my dad's family got home, they suddenly saw the brochures and they got a vision of what could be. And they decided there and then we're leaving the grey skies of England and we're moving to the gold skies of Australia. So it was there that they, over the next little season, they began to sell everything they had and gave away everything they owned. And it was there on the 5th of November, 1970, they left from Southampton in England as 10-pound poms, leaving with nothing in their pocket and jumping on a boat for four and a half weeks to travel across rough seas to come to Australia. They land in a place called Fremantle. And my dad tells the story, all they remember, Remember, it's like all there was everywhere was flies. In Australia, there are flies everywhere. There's snakes that'll kill you. There's spiders that'll bite you. And there are flies everywhere. And he then jumped on another boat, went all the way to a place called Melbourne, jumped on a cattle train with some wooden benches. Then they got that train all the way to Adelaide, got picked up in a bus, got taken to a hostel with $1,000 in their pocket, no furniture, hardly any clothes, nothing to their name. And they lived there until they got enough money to get government assistance to move into a terrace, uh, to a to a what's called a housing trust home. It's a house, it's a home for people that don't have much money and have come from overseas, and that became their home for the rest of their life. It wasn't glorious, it wasn't magnificent, but it was so much better than the home they had in Rochdale, England. I, I go to my, my my then story is. Growing up, my parents, my mum was at home with us as kids, and, and but we 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 had a car, and, and we had a phone. One, one of those ones where you dial someone and you go like eight, like you know seven. You know any of the ones like if you, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. And and and, and we 
we, we had our own place, we had our own car, we had our own phone, and, and it wasn't everything, but it was better what, than what they had. And, 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 but we never went on holidays, we never were able to play sport, we couldn't afford much. I then looked to my kids, and I looked to my kids, and we have our own house. My kids have their own phones. <laughs> uh, they've probably got their own cars. Uh, they've, they've traveled around the world. They get to play high-level basketball with the prayer that one day they too will grow. Uh, and, and it's not everything, but it's better than what we had. And what we had was better than what they had. And what they had was better than what my grandma grew up with. But well, i tell you how it happened was she just decided, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to remain here. I'm going to move from where I am, get a vision in front of my eyes, literally grab some brochures to get a picture of what life could be. And generation after generation after after generation, after generation, my children have a better life, not because my grandma was brave, just because she got a dream and a vision for her family. Amen? So yeah, come on, that goes my grandma. So catch this, in the same way a parent has a dream for their children, your heavenly father has a dream for you. In the same way she never wanted her kids to stay in the same cycle, God doesn't want your family, your relationship, your future, your mind and your spirit to keep going around in the same old cycles. So He gives you dreams and visions because dreams give expectation. A dream blesses others. A dream spurs you on from settling. A dream makes you bold and a dream gets you unstuck. Abraham had a dream. It wasn't. An extravagant dream, it was simply to have a place to call his own and it was to have a child. And God wanted him to have that dream. He's in his 70s, yet he is given permission to dream in what he doesn't have. I wanna say no matter what age you are or what season of life you find yourself in, God still gives you permission to dream. For those that have a, a little bit more grey hair or maybe your hair has gone to be with the Lord, I want to tell you today, you still have permission to dream and give a vision for your future, amen? And it says this in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot. Everyone say, and Lot went with him. Now Abraham gets a dream from God. I'll give you your own land. I'll give you your own family and you will be blessed. But Abraham, Abram at that point decides, I'm gonna share my dream with my nephew, Lot. He was never asked to bring Lot, but he decided to let someone else go on the journey with him. See, as they then go on this journey, following in faith, not easy, not knowing where they were going, just stepping day by day in faith, following the promise giver, the two families begin to argue the two families begin to come into disagreement. And all of a sudden, the focus shifts from the dream to the circumstances. When you are 
going after the dreams and vision and promises that God has given in your life, there will always be tension, opposition, disagreement, and circumstances that are fighting to get your natural attention when God gives you a supernatural possibility. So it then says, as they begin to argue, Lot decides, surely if this is God's promise, it should be easier than this. And Lot decides to settle. And it says this in the next verse there in chapter 10. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar. Everyone say Zoar. Was well watered. It was familiar. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, watch this. On the way to your dream, on the way to your healing, on the way to that relationship, in the way to seeing that business start, in the way to seeing it prosper, in the way to seeing the things that God's put in your spirit for your marriage, your family, your kids and your future, on the journey there, there is always going to be a dispute in your spirit to stay where you are and find something that feels familiar. There will always be a tension to find the place you know that will not require the same faith as the place you've never seen before. However, we're meant to live by faith and not by sight. But there will always be the temptation, the tension and the dispute in your spirit to stay in a place that is more familiar and is more comfortable. To find some green grass, to quit on the destination and to stay where there is familiarity and to stay in a place that is easy. You see, it's there that Lot stays in a place called Zoar. Everyone say Zoar. That word there, Zoar, means insignificant. Let me show you something. Lot in the story of the Bible becomes an insignificant man because he gave up on his dream and he settled in a familiar and comfortable place that rested him in the, in the place of insignificance. If you don't want to remain insignificant, if you want to have significance in the kingdom of God, if you want to have significance in the eyes of your children, if you want to have significance in your marriage, if you want to have significance in your future, you cannot settle in the place of comfortability and familiarity because it will leave you giving up on your dream and living an insignificant life compared to the promise and potential that the Holy Spirit has for you. Amen. My, my dad would say this, is that uh, as families would travel from England on the boat all the way to Australia, they would get here and they would f get there and, and they would find out there was just flies everywhere, and, and, but there was no air conditioning. And they arrived in February, which is like... Uh, I don't know, 120 degrees Fahrenheit, and I'm making the, guessing the numbers, 50 odd degrees Celsius. Uh, there was no work, and then when you got work, it didn't pay much, so you had to work three or four jobs. So they would come here, and while the sky was blue and gold, they, they thought, you know what, I wanna go back
back to the familiar life that I had. So they saved their money again. And then they traveled four and a half weeks all the way back to England. And then he said, half the families that got back to England, looked at the sky, went back to the mill, lived in the terrace home and said, what are we doing? So they saved their money again, jumped on another boat four and a half weeks and came all the way back and forth. And while it seems ridiculous, that's how often our spirit and our mind and our emotions go. We're here, but we don't like it here. So we go back there, but we don't want to live there. So we end up going back here, but here's too difficult. So we eventually find a place that's familiar and comfortable because at least familiar and comfortable is familiar and comfortable. But it will render you to live an insignificant life compared to the possibilities and the promise that God has for you. Amen. So today, I've got to ask you, what's your lot? Do you have a lot of disappointment? Do you have a lot of frustration? Do you have a lot of it didn't work out the way I thought it would work out? Do you have a lot of they hurt me? Do you have a lot of it was unfair? Do you have a lot of my leader changed? Do you have a lot of I was overlooked? Do you have a lot of uncomfortable? Whatever your lot is in life, don't go with that lot. Leave it where it is. Unveil the mask over your eyes and step into destiny. Don't go back to what you knew. Don't go back to familiarity. Don't go back to comfortability. Go after the dream and vision that the Holy Spirit placed over you, your marriage, your family, and your future in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give Him thanks this morning. Well, we're going to go. See, the problem was that Abraham was attached to Lot. You have to understand it makes sense because this was his shortcut to his promise too. So as you read through Scripture, you'll find uh, Lot lost his parents at a young age, lost both his mum and dad. And Abram and Sarah, they can't have kids. So their nephew, who has no parents, to ageing, desiring mum and dads that don't have children, Lot looked a lot like a son, but he wasn't. You see, Abraham took him on the journey because it was a shortcut to his promise because he was familiar and comfortable because he would rather have something that he knows. Then what if he doesn't get the promise that I can't see yet? Because God doesn't put the promise in your hand, but he puts it just out of your reach so that you have to step in faith, not hold what you know. You see, Lot looks like a son, but the promise that God had for Abram would only ever be inherited through the journey of faith. You see, he would have never got his Isaac if he held on to his past. He would have never received the promise of faith if he settled in Zoar in a place that was familiar and comfortable. You see, there was nothing wrong with what Abraham wanted, but his answer wasn't God's answer. I want to say this to you today. Don't make your dream fit your plans. If God gave the dream, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Come on, let me say it again. If God gives you a dream, it will not naturally fit your plans. It is not by your might. It is not by your power. It is by His Spirit, says the Lord. You need to know if God gives you a supernatural dream, it is going to need supernatural assistance. And therefore, it will not just happen by your hands. It will not just happen by your logic. It will not 
just happen by your name. It will not just happen because of your position in society. It will not just happen because of what house you live in or don't live in. If it's given by the Holy Spirit, it will be provided on the Holy Spirit, but you have to step in faith in order to inherit the promise of God. Amen? See, Abraham made it because of this, and the keys can come. He's because he didn't walk for the dream. He walked with the dream giver. Vanessa didn't just walk to the dream. She walks with the dream giver. There's something about not just the whole world, our whole society lives and exists and breathes to chase after false dreams and maybe even real dreams and, and visions and possibilities. But we end up chasing after them, not the dream giver. How do you know that Abraham loved the dream giver more than the dream? Because when God asked him to sacrifice his dream, his son Isaac, he was willing to for the dream giver, but he never had to. See, here's the difference with Lot. Is Lot walks with the man that walks with the dream giver. Lot never got the dream himself. And for some of us, God gave you dreams and visions at a young age. Or maybe some of us, you've never received a dream, a picture, a vision from the Holy Spirit. And you're getting it secondhand from someone that stands on the platform or leads a group or someone that's in your workplace or the neighbour across the street. And, and we're hoping that their dream can become our dream. And we're believing that what someone said over me is enough because if they've said it, then it will happen. But we're not actually walking with the dream giver, the Holy Spirit. We're hoping that if someone else can push in for me and if someone else can make a way for me and if someone else can pray for me and if someone else can prophesy over me, then, then the work is done. But the problem is the journey is never just to get you to the dream. The journey is to get you closer to the dream giver. And it's there as we don't walk with the dream giver, but we just walk with someone that walks with the dream giver. We end up settling in a place that is comfortable and familiar because it's easier. But Abraham and Vanessa and people right through this room. See, you don't settle for the dream because you always end up with the cheap substitute. But when you walk with the Holy Spirit, when you daily choose and weekly choose to come and position yourself in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, He not only fills you and restores you and empowers you, but He begins to whisper. He begins to remember. He begins to realign. And while we believe in prophecy and we believe in encouragement and we believe in inspiration, the dream is between you and Him. So that when everyone else says it's just quit, just give up, just, just settle for three jobs. Uh, just th th It's okay, he can work a job, not get an education. Uh, he doesn't have to do these masters. He can just stay where he is. Uh, you keep fighting for the kids. Don't make them fight for them. When everyone else is telling you what to do, you know, you know that you know God gave you the dream. So whatever familiar ground comes, whatever Zoar appears, whatever other option, convenience, ease comes your way. It was never the dream I was chasing anyway. It was about the journey I was doing with Him. And that as I step each and every part of the journey with the shepherd, 
has the Holy Spirit who illuminates possibilities and puts them in my spirit, begins to speak and whisper and His presence is known. I don't have to settle for that place of familiarity, but I can step into my promise because the Thessalonians says, the one who calls you is faithful and He, everyone say He, will do it. My team can come. See, this, this is why you need the Holy Spirit. Because even Jesus Himself, who the joy set before Him endured the cross, He had a dream and a vision for you. Yet we see right there in Luke chapter four, He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me, He has illuminated to me, He is my God that has made a way, He is speaking to me, He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Notice this, it's not just physical. What every miracle He does naturally is to point to something spiritually. When He says He came to give sight to the blind, He said, I've come to give you your vision back. And I've set the oppressed free. What were the captives of, uh, of Israel like when they were set free? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, they were like those who once dreamed. So as Jesus is about to leave, He says, wait, don't go. There's a dream, there's a picture, there's a vision, there's a possibility. There's more that I'm gonna put, not in your hands, it's outside of your reach. But He said, don't go, just wait. And He says in Acts 2.17, as Peter stands up, now filled with the dream giver, now filled with the anointing, now filled with power. He says, in these last days, come on, stand to your feet this morning. He says, in these last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It is the plan and the intention of the Holy Spirit to illuminate your dreams and visions, to show you supernatural possibilities, to allow you to see and get vision and to see the oppressed set free. I wanna say if you're here today and you're young and fearful, the anointing gives you vision and purpose for your life. If you're older, older and cautious, the anointing means that you can dream again. You don't have to worry about when it comes to pass. You don't have to worry about how it comes to pass. You just have to get in step with the person of the Holy Spirit, the dream giver, and He will breathe life into you. He will give you supernatural assistance. I want to tell you today, come on, lift your hands right across this place. He's an oil that brings ease. He's a river that makes a way. He's a guide that leads you into truth. He is a dream giver. He is the way maker. He prepares for you a table. It's in the midst of your enemies, but surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. These things I plan won't happen right away, but slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it feels slow, do not despair. Do not settle for familiar. Do not settle for comfortable. For these things will surely come to pass. They will not be overshadowed a single day. I declare that healing today is available for you. That promise of God is still right there. The promise giver is in this room. Your children are in His hands, even if they're not right.
right now in your reeds. And as you wait on the anointing, as you stand in His presence, as you walk with the dream giver, He will make a way where there is no way. For behold, He is doing a new thing. Forgetting the former things, don't dwell on the past. He's doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Do you not vision it? So if you've got a dream and a vision right now, lift your hands right across this place.